Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Tales by Firelight. This is a podcast to accompany the podcast, A Crack in the Plan. This is our third episode of Tales by Firelight. This is a kind of a turn in form where the first two episodes have been interviews. This is more narrative. And then next week, we're going to do a season one wrap up. So that'll be fun. You can expect a smattering of all of those different types of episodes uh, until we start releasing season two, uh, the beginning of March. With that said, this is a flashback, and I will link the timestamps in the show notes. Timeline-wise, this happens during episode eight. So thank you for listening to this week's episode of Tales by Firelight. This is Cathra and the Hammer. Cathra could feel the heat of a fire crackling nearby. Her head swam as she battled for clarity. A familiar voice, Hollocks, cut through the fog. I get it, Galen. I do. You're mad and you feel like you can't trust me right now. Narstal made a dumb choice because he's in love and now you're caught up in something you didn't have a choice in. But now there's a decision to make. Narstal says he has a spell that can modify your memory and make it like this never happened. Or you can choose to trust me. Take some time to cool off and meet me back in the city. My intention, our intention, was never to force you into anything, nor was the intent to trap you. For as old as we are, sometimes we act unwisely, and we get it wrong. For better or worse, I need you to trust me. Trust Noristel and I, Hollick said, pleading with Galen. Galen was less than pleased with Hollick's explanation and spoke angrily. You don't build trust by drugging and caging people against their will. You're right. But do the six months we've spent side by side count for nothing when it comes to trust? Does one misstep destroy every ounce of trust between us? Hollick asked desperately. Is my maul in your skull? There's your ounce of trust. What I've seen here, I don't even know if I believe it. But I'm leaving, and I don't know that I'm coming back. He said this, his words still full of anger. The fog overtook Cathra, and she drifted off to sleep. Several hours later, she awoke to Naristel, tending a dying fire. Hollick said he was going to get supplies from the farmhouse that you and Galen passed on your way here. He keeps it as a safe house. Galen's gone, and to be honest, I don't know if he's coming back. I was hasty when I didn't need to be. And I fear I may have caused more harm than I intended. Unsure of what or how to respond, Cather sat in silence until Narasol said that he was going to fetch more firewood. She gave him a few minutes and then decided to make her own way outside into the cool summer air. The night was clear and the Arturn moons hung brightly in the sky. As she stood looking up at them, Cathra summoned her hammer. When she did, a familiar ache worked its way into her chest, causing lightning to arc off of her in tendrils, reaching out and leaving burn marks on trees and charred depressions where the lightning struck the soil. The hammer she wielded was once a reminder of a dear friend, but was now an object marred by loss. She once again mastered the thunderstorm that rolled through her at its summoning.
When Amber had given her the tool, it had been newly forged. They had been visiting an armorer in Metox Point, and she'd bought nearly 40 pounds of meteorite to forge the hammer from it. Amber had spent weeks on the tool and given it to Cathra on her birthday. It was one of the most precious things she owned, but that precious thing was marred by the insistence of a god upon her life. That familiar ache grew, fed by the guilt she felt over Amber's death. Five years on, and her grief was still a ragged wound that refused to heal. A part of her wondered if she ever even wanted it to. Tears came that she did not hinder. As she stood there in the middle of the wooded grove near the cave entrance she had emerged from. This far from her homeland, she yearned for years she could not get back. For cold nights spent beneath the black and twinkling sky as she and Amber kept watch over their company of soldiers. For the simple pleasure of Amber's cooking. But mostly, she just wanted her best friend back. She forced herself to breathe as she relived for the hundredth time the messenger reporting that Amber and a small force were pinned down by a group of hobgoblins and her marathon ride on horseback to rescue her friend, but she was too late. Amber fought until the end, but was felled by a hobgoblin's blade. Amber had looked directly at Cathra as she died. The look on her face as she died was one of resignation and acceptance. It was a look of forgiveness for the future she would never possess. It said everything left unspoken between the two friends, and it was a look that begged Cathra to forgive herself for all the guilt that she would feel. And then Thor's face flashed in her mind. The gall he had to save her from the drow assassins that had been waiting in ambush. The audacity he had to put his stamp on something that was not his to be used as an extension of his power. The arrogance he had to choose her when she did not want to be chosen. The dam broke. Her rage pushed the image of Thor out of her mind and a cry escaped her throat. She hurled the hammer as far as she could, ready to be rid of the thing forever. But as soon as she let it go, she felt regret for doing so. She stepped to retrieve it, but a voice behind her made her freeze. It's quite the tool. I know what it means to you. It's a shame to throw it away, came Naristel's voice. Naristel had been in the war camp for a meeting with her commander and had slipped away to see Cathra, Amber, Quill, and the rest of her company on the occasion of that birthday. It was until Thor tainted it, Cathra said sharply. You hate it, don't you? He asked. Being given all that power and just told, hey, follow blindly. Cathra didn't answer her look was enough. She thought she'd found the courage to walk away, but Narstel's question stopped her short. He asked what she had not yet been able to voice. So what will you do? Will you keep following him? He asked. I don't want to. But I don't know that I have a choice. She said, her voice conveying her uncertainty. In all of my lives, I know this to be true. We always have a choice. Sometimes we live in the fog of indecision, for a decade, and sometimes a day. When you were told that the military was your path, that choice was forced on you, and you somehow saw a way out. I know how hard it was for you to desert, and I'm glad I was there in Akranis to help bring you here. 
My motives aside for persuading you to lead the expedition, in the end, you made the choice to leave. When Amber died, and Thor gave that hammer its abilities, another choice was forced on you. And now the choice to cast that thing to the wind is yours, Catherine. But you need to understand, I'm guilty like both your father and Thor. I'm sending you to this library, and I've shown you the greatest secret about myself that can be known. And in doing so, I've forced a choice on you. You can walk away now like I suspect that young man Galen is going to. To be honest, I wouldn't blame you if you did. You don't have to accept me or this or any of it. You're free, and you're free to leave if you choose, Naristel said gently. Catherine hesitated. She started to walk back past Naristel and to the hammer. Naristel put his hand out to stop her. May I see the necklace, he asked. Pulling it from beneath her tunic, she handed it to him. Naristel touched the small silver hummingbird he'd given her nearly 20 years prior. As he spoke in a language Catherine could not comprehend, fire danced in his hand, and bright light filled the leveled forest around them. He finished and stepped back. There we are, right as rain. You can focus your spells through the necklace and leave the hammer behind, he said, pointing behind him to the hammer. Be careful, though. Gods don't like to have their gifts thrown back in their face. Your power may start to ebb, and in that event, take this. Naristel pulled from his satchel a leather-bound tome. He touched her temples, and she could comprehend the word burned into the leather. Medicus. She looked up for an explanation, but he was gone. She tucked the book into her satchel and began the long walk back to Astricus and to the professor's tower, leaving the hammer to rust in the rain and be forgotten to time. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.